Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is Marcello Rolando, the host of the Reasonable Voices radio show. Um, what we try to do at the Reasonable Voices is is remind everyone that most Americans are reasonable. They're not all extremist leftists or radical conservatives. And my guest today, filmmaker Kent Williamson, is an example of that, a man who who is open-minded, who uh, listens to all sides, and, by the way, who makes great film. Kent, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on today, Marcello. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure, and I guess we should tell them a little more about you. I haven't talked to you in a while, and I I know you've been everywhere, out and about. Kent Williamson is, um, uh, well, I guess he's the the, the boss at the Paladin Media Group. But the Paladin Media Group, even, that's P-A-L-A-D-I-N, by the way. And tell us, first of all, what's Paladin Pictures, Paladin Media Group, uh, and um, I think the third is the... uh, Paladin transfers. That's right. That's right. Tell us yeah. about those. So, uh, so Paladin Media Group is a film and video production company headquartered in Charlottesville, Virginia. We do a lot of different work. We do a lot of work for different companies. We do a lot of educational work. We do a lot of. We do some contracts with like the U.S. Department of Education, where we're a subcontractor. We're currently doing projects in uh, for the Chicago Public Schools. We're doing a project right now for the uh, an education initiative for the state of Minnesota. We finished one recently for the state of New Mexico. So there's a lot of educational mm. type work that we do and create content. That's what Paladin Media Group does. We also service clients like the University of Virginia Health System, different groups like that, that uh, need video content for whether their website or or whether it's for their uh, internal communication or whatever it might be. So that's kind of what Paladin Media Group does. Mm -hmm. Paladin Transfers is our unit that takes old media and turns it into new media. So, for Mm -hmm. example, who does 
doesn't have a box of old VHS yes. tapes or high eight tapes or old cassette tapes or reel to reel or whatever that might be. We take old media, we turn it into new media. So we take that old content and we digitize it and we give it life again so that people can take old videos that they shot years ago or old audio recordings and they can repurpose them, put them onto YouTube, put them, you know, share them with friends, families, colleagues, whatever that they need to do. So there's companies that need that done, but there's also consumers yes. that need that done. And so we service both, uh, both of those markets with uh, Paladin Transfers. Then Paladin Pictures, which is where my most of my focus is right now, is the film part of our company. We make documentaries, we make motion pictures, and we tell stories. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, uh, that's that part of the company. So, uh, yeah, it's a little diverse and an interesting uh, company, but, you know, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, we've kind of grown into it in a, in a sense. So, And, and you're now offering... Uh a space for others to come in and work use your studio space for yes we have we have a studio uh, uh 35 by 35 foot sound stage we just make that available to, to, to any organization that may want to rent it out for the day to come in and film their material. Uh, it's a great space for filmmakers. It's a great space for any company that might need to film something that they haven't. They may have an internal video department, but they don't have a space that's good for filming, mm -hmm. you know, a good quiet space for filming interviews or things like that, or if they need to shoot product shots or different things of that nature. It's also a fantastic space for still photography. Mm -hmm. um, to come in, and we've so we 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 rent it out for that type of work as well. But yeah, it's thirty five by thirty five uh, feet. Uh, it, it has twenty four foot ceilings. It has a lighting grid. It has what we call a, a psych, an eighteen by eighteen psych, a cyclorama, mm -hmm. where the, the 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 there's no corners in that cyclorama, so uh -huh. it's all curved, and the floor curves up and turns into the wall, almost like a skateboard ramp, if you will, oh. you know, where it kind of curves <laughs> up into the wall and, and the corners are curved. And so when you, when you film into that, it, it, it gives you the, it, it makes it look like you're shooting into infinity. Exactly. There's just no space behind the person. Yeah. It can be painted any color that it needs to be painted. And so it's a, it's a great, it's a great little space over here uh, at our, at our studio on, uh, we're, we're located in the Bergmar Crossing office complex, but it's, yeah, definitely a, a good, good space for filming that type of thing. You know, I we're certainly going to, before the end of the show today, we're going to get website and all that. But since we're talking about the studio right up front, why don't you give us that exact address or in telephone number, how people get a hold of okay, you? fantastic. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're located at 673 Burkmar Court. That's right near the corner of Burkmar and Rio in Charlottesville. And we the, the phone number that people could reach us at, 434-8172. 700. That's our studio uh, number here, and uh, they can call and speak with Paige, and Paige can start start the process if anybody needs to is looking for that type of space. So. Okay, and I give Paige thumbs up because she certainly got me through to you. So that works. <laughs> that works extremely well. Let's let's uh, move on now. There's so many things, and I'm trying uh, purposely and uh, to to hold off talking about by war and by God because it had such an effect on me, I want to make certain I get through the show. <laughs> so let's go back first and talk about the last time I think we talked on radio was when you were in the process of doing a film entitled Stained Glass Rainbows. You know, I 
even when I heard the title, I called you and said, we, we need to talk about this. Tell us about that. And of course, it's come a long way since then. A release date is coming up soon, right? Yes, okay. yes, yes. The uh, release date is uh, currently set for December 15th, and that's going to be on streaming platforms all over the place, and, and as well as on DVD and, and different forms that way. So Stained Glass Rainbows is, uh, uh, it, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a powerful film. It's, I, 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 if, if I can say so myself, yes. you know, uh, having worked on it for seven years to, to get it done, it was, uh, it's, it's one, it really, one of those kind of a, a real journey for me. I'm a different person at the end of making that film than mm. I was at the beginning. And for anyone that may not know, it's a film that deals with issues regarding homosexuality and Christianity, which is one of the most, uh, the largest areas of conflict within church culture right now. Yes. And so it dives into the deep end of the pool, if you will. Yes. Um, and and we grab the bull by the horns, really, as we as we try to wrestle our way through that that topic in that film. And and you know, Kent, since I did allude to the fact that uh, what the Reasonable Voices mission is to try and bring together people who are willing to listen and share and give and take and all that. Tell us a little about yourself, uh, if you don't mind, personally, politically, so we understand that uh, you are, when I say you are, a perfect example of the kind of guest we beg to have on the show. Give us a little about yourself. Well, I grew up in a very conservative uh, upbringing, very conservative Christian environment. My life has been a real journey, and, and in some ways, I, it's not a—it's not in any way an, an abandoning of those things. But it's really, as I've gotten to know people and talk to people and hear from people and under try to understand people's hearts and where they're coming from, I really try my best to listen and give people an opportunity to to share with me what their thoughts and their values are, and that that in it in, in itself shapes me and shapes who I am. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I I don't totally throw out all of my conservative roots. Mm-hmm. And, and nor my necessarily my political leanings, perhaps, but but I I try to I try to value and respect people even when they're different than I am. Yes, and that's really what um, uh, you know. A lot of the, uh, the the journey of this film has taught me a lot of that. Mm-hmm. When I worked on this film for so many years, you know, I used to be the one. I used to be the one that was making the gay jokes. Mm-hmm. I was the one that was was um, um, laughing about not only about the circumstances, but people and individuals, you know, and making fun of. Mm-hmm. And and I, I'm just not that person anymore. It's not that I've totally become serious. I still can laugh. Yes. I've learned. I've learned how to laugh, perhaps maybe in a little more a better way, perhaps. But what I've done is I've, I, part of that journey is I've fallen in love with some people that are very different than I am, mm-hmm. and I, and I, I have so much respect for people that come from a different place that it, it puts me in a position where you know as as I love these people, the the, the gays and lesbians in my life that I'm referring to, mm-hmm. as I love them, how can I, how can I ever possibly want to make fun of the of them or their circumstance or where they are you know it's so that's kind of how i you know it's changed me that film has changed me so and um you know that's a little bit about kind of where i am and how i've how i've gotten here so tell us because i again what intrigued me um about 
way back when, when we talked, it's got to have been a couple of years ago at least, Stained Glass Rainbows. That is such a great title. And then I said, well, I have to find out what that's about because that's just too good a title. And I had an inkling because it's a great title. Uh, it says it all without overstating it. Tell us about the film. We now we know that you've worked on it for seven years plus. We know it's about to be right. released. We know how it's affected you and where you where who you were when you began, and now you are someone else. Tell us about the film itself, the making of it. Right. Well, okay. So, so you know, if coming from a conservative background, some people out there would think that oh, I would go and I'd talk to conservative people about this issue, and I'd get their thoughts on it, mm -hmm. and I'd come out with kind of a propaganda piece that explains exactly why you should live this way and shouldn't live that way. You know, that's how some people view me as a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case at all. You know, you, you, in this, this project, you know, I see the issue of homosexuality and Christianity as this roaring bonfire within church culture. Mm -hmm. And what I've done is I've gone all the way around the circle. I've gone all the way around the bonfire. Mm -hmm. And I've talked to people on all different sides. You yes. know? And I've gotten their thoughts. And, and, and... What, another thing about my style of a filmmaker, I am not trying to manipulate people's words to make them say what I want them to say. Mm -hmm. I let them speak for themselves, whether they whether I agree with them or whether I disagree with them. I let them speak for themselves. I give them fair treatment, mm -hmm. and that's the one thing that people continually come back to me with when they once they've had a chance to see this film. They say. You have given people that fair opportunity. Sometimes you're too fair. Mm. I have people that say, man, you did a great job letting other people speak. I just wouldn't, I wish you wouldn't have let them speak so much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and to me, that's just a testimony that I've done a good job of really trying to present a balanced uh, view of the topic. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the film is not one that comes down and says, you have to believe this way. You know, it's, again, it's not a propaganda piece. Mm -hmm. It's a piece that really explores the issue from all sides, yes. and it lets the viewer decide what they want about the topic, and that's what, and personally, I think that's what makes a great documentary, is exactly. when the viewer's left to, you know, your, you, the viewer learns through the experience of others, and then they're left to sort it out and say, okay, now what is that, how does that shape me? That's often what I say when my, my wife talks to me about watching the debates, and I said, yes, I'll watch all the debates, all of them, regardless who's who's debating. But I'm not going to listen to uh, the media talking heads telling me what they were about. I, <laughs> right, I'll right. do that myself. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna shape it the way they want it to be shaped. Yes, and sometimes yeah, it's, it's nothing like what I saw, and I'm like, what? But you know, I had a similar uh, experience as a director. I, I directed the premier showcase of. Uh, when it was Nixon and Kissinger in New York City, and it's since been published, and and is Nixon's uh, Nixon's Nixon, I think. But the playwright surprised us coming in from Nevada. Showed up. We hadn't seen him in rehearsal, of course, but he showed up the um, uh, the opening night and didn't introduce himself until after it was over. He came over to me. He loved it, and he said to me, "It's just that I didn't know Nixon was such a nice guy." <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And you know, and what's funny, of course, is that I'm a very liberal Democrat, and I wasn't a fan of Nixon. But I went into this. I hear what you're saying. I went into this saying everybody's got their opinion about Nixon anyway. We're going to right. present the facts. We're not going to try and sway them one way or the other. Here's what this playwright 
through his research, which is very similar, as it turns out, with uh, Anthony Hopkins' film, um, here's what this playwright believes happened the night before Nixon resigned, and mm. we're just going to present the facts. Anyway, so right. Stained Glass Rainbows, you say it opens in December? Uh, yes, yeah, so so the, the, all of the, the streaming outlets will be available December 15th, uh-huh. I believe is the date, yes, so mid, mid-December. And, and nothing makes a great stocking stuffer like a copy of the DVD of Stained Glass Rainbows, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> I when I wake up to that on Christmas morning. I don't know why we got a December release date, but that's what our distributor has, has, has given us, so I'm going to take it. Yeah, well, good for you. Distributors are not that easy to come by. Tell us in a, a few more moments we have in this first segment, uh, give us some idea of how does a filmmaker get a distributor? That alone is quite an accomplishment, yes? You know, in my experience, uh, it's funny because the, the distributor that I'm working with on this, on this, uh, on Stained Glass Rainbows is the same distributor that I worked with on my previous film, uh, Rebellion of Thought. Uh-huh. And when I was when I was looking for a distributor for Rebellion of Thought, I sent out a bunch of letters, a bunch of email contacts to a bunch of different distributors, and I started to get feedback. And, and one of the very first ones, a, a guy, actually, it was a distributor that had heard about the film. Mm-hmm. He contacted me and said, hey, we're interested in this. And so wow. I tucked that away. It's like, okay, he's interested. Now who else can I get interested? Yes. And I went around, and I talked to a bunch of different people, and after four or five months of doing that, I was back with the same guy, that the first one that ever contacted me and said he was interested, mm. and that's who I went with. Uh, you know, some people, you know, obviously some distributors just don't even want to touch your film because it's not their their topic. Yes. You know, they handle different, uh, you know, their audience is a different audience. Yes. And so you've got to find the right film for the right audience, and you are the I'm sorry, the right distributor for the right audience mm-hmm. that you're going after. So that there's some there's, a, there's some nuance there, you know. Some mm-hmm. distributors reach uh, a different audience than mm-hmm. what your film needs, and unfortunately, sometimes we don't even find that out until we're into the distribution deal. You yes. know, it's like we're already in play, and and now we're learning they can't really reach that audience. So anyway, you know, it's it's not, I, I'm 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 hopeful that this this is going to work well. This this deal that we have mm-hmm. uh, in place with this uh, distributor for for stained glass rainbows, um, but I won't know that until you know you go to get through the first quarter of the new year, really, before we're ever even going to get the any kind of returns on the on the uh, on the deal. So yes. uh, we'll we'll know more uh, springtime probably. Now we may we may have covered this already uh, to a certain extent, but just before we go to break, can you give us without giving away too much? But give us what you want, not necessarily uh, for the audience to take away, although you can if you will. But we just said we've confessed we're not into that. But right. what do you want the audience to look for? Well, well I think in this film, the the, the, pre, the the audiences that have seen it so far have told me that the film humanizes people on all sides of the issue. Mm-hmm. And that, I take, as a great compliment, because typically we live in this world that is, we, we like polar opposites. You're conservative, I'm liberal, I'm a Democrat, yes. you're a Republican, whatever it is, you know. Uh, we, we hate you because you're not like us. Yes. That's ultimately what we tend to say. We don't like you because you're not like us. 
And what the what the film does is the film points out shows these people as humans. Yes. Whether it is the the lesbian minister that's in the film or whether it's the ex gay mm-hmm. guy in the film. You see all these people as humans. Yes. And you see their struggle and you see their heart. And that's the thing that's one of the things that I think just makes the film beautiful mm-hmm. is that we're just people and all of us are trying our best. Yes to live this life that we've that this one opportunity we have here Mm -hmm. and we want to make the most of it and that i think the film does a good job of of pointing that i think that that's my hope is that you know i'm i'm hoping that there's a a die hard liberal person out there that will see this ex-gay in the film and go wow i'm touched by their story and at the same time i'm hoping there's a, a ultra conservative crazy person that sees the lesbian minister in the film and is touched by her heart and her story and you know that's that's part of my hope all right we're going to end this segment on that high hope we'll be right back i am speaking with uh, filmmaker kent williamson of paladin media group and all of its vital parts please stay with us we'll be right back Now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Every once in a while, a young actor or actress gives a truly career-defining performance. Think Abigail Breslin in Little Miss Sunshine, or Quavins and A. Wallace in Beasts of the Southern Wild. Occasionally, filmgoers are lucky enough to witness two such performances at once, as with The Spectacular Now, starring Miles Teller and Shailene Woodley. Teller plays Sutter Keeley, a high school senior who focuses on having fun and living in the now, never fretting about the future. Following a night of drunken revelry, he wakes up on the front lawn of Amy Finnecke, a shy, nerdy girl played by Woodley. A spark develops between the two as they traverse senior year, but their growing relationship is threatened by Sutter's increasingly self-destructive behavior. The Spectacular Now is a heartfelt and realistic teenage relationship story, shining in large measure thanks to the compelling performances of Teller and Woodley, who shared a special jury prize at the Sundance Film Festival. Their scenes together provide honest vulnerability and palpable uncertainty, combining tension and tenderness in equal measure. The Spectacular Now lands with worthy impact for those in the age bracket and for the rest of us who remember it so well. The Spectacular Now, not in theaters, discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices radio talk show. My guest today is filmmaker Kent Williamson of Paladin Media Group. Uh, Kent, I keep saying of Paladin Media Group. What's your title over there? What do you call yourself? You wear so many hats. Uh, you know, um, the chief cook and bottle washer, yeah. the chef cook and bottle washer, is that the, <laughs> that, uh, the, uh, I, I, I'm, I, my official title is president. Uh-huh. Uh, I refer to myself more as founder. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I, I'm often the guy that scrubs the toilet too. So that's, that's, uh, that's part of my role. That's, that's kind of what I figured from what I know about you and heard about you. I don't know that we've actually met. Have we ever met? Um, I 
believe we met, where was it? It was at some event. Yes. I think we bumped into each other. Oh, yes, yes. Um, uh, what's it? I just can't, can't remember what it was. I can't either. But that I was do. years ago. That yes, was years ago. Yes, yes. Okay. Back to uh, what uh, a subject uh, actually I've been avoiding a bit and, and can't, uh, during the break, Kent and I talked about why I was avoiding it, not because it's not a good thing. It's a magnificent uh, piece of work. Uh, it's called um, By War and By God. As I've said to Kent before many times, he just seems to know how to title things. By War and By God. Now, that's going to be a little challenging for me to get through. I am a Vietnam-era uh, veteran, though I never went to Vietnam. We won't start the conversation with that, because as I said, I want to get through the interview. But Kent gave me his connection when we were off air. And let's, first of all, this story is about vets with a mission. And that is a, um, a group of Vietnam veterans who have returned to Vietnam. And now Kent is going to tell us why and why he put it all on film. Yeah, so so this group of vets, um, they they all survived the hell of war, mm. and then along the way they decided something about you know they, they needed to go back. Yes, they needed. They felt drawn back. One guy described it as like this magnet. Vietnam was this magnet that was just pulling him back, mm -hmm. and he had this idea of you know this humanitarian. And, and mission type work and and they go back these these guys go back after 40 years you know they go back wow. and they um, love and serve and care for the people of Vietnam they they, they, they they gather teams of doctors and they go out into the the poorest of the poor parts of the country and they take health care to people that have no access to health care mm. and they drill wells and they build clinics and they they're they're very involved in in uh, just taking care of people in in a country that when they first arrived there it was horrific absolutely unbelievably horrific mm. condition mm -hmm. and uh, somehow some way you know, so so the title of the film really is is I see the title is this is how these guys are shaped. Yes, they are shaped by war and they are shaped by God, and that is that's that's where that comes from. So, and I don't I don't want to to give this away. I do want to mention that uh, by war and by God premiered in Dallas, Texas, on Thursday, October twenty ninth, somewhere between Hurricane Patricia and tornadoes. <laughs> And whatever, but uh, but Kent fortunately was in a hotel where rain wasn't allowed. I guess I don't know. But yeah, I, I stayed dry for most of the most of the time there. Actually, the the premiere was fantastic. The evening of the premiere was beautiful. We had dinner right before the premiere at an outdoor restaurant. Oh my god! Beautiful skies overhead and was fantastic. And then the, the next morning is when it all started to let loose and and uh, and the, the earth became saturated once again. So. Wow. Yeah, that's something going on down there, that's for sure. And you're, you're back but, now in Charlottesville, Virginia, yes? Yes, uh, yes. But the, the screening, let me tell you, at the, yes. at the premiere, it was at the Magnolia Theater in Dallas. And the Magnolia Theater is a beautiful, beautiful cinema. And, and the, one of the fantastic things about this was 
the majority of the men in the film that were interviewed in the film, the mm-hmm. soldiers and the Marines and all these guys, they were at the screening. And that was wow. very, very powerful to yes. be able to, to show it to them the first time it had its public premiere and to be able to have them in the audience. Um, that, that That's just, it was one of those... I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. As a filmmaker, what an honor to, to, to be able to sit down with those guys and watch the film together for the very first time and be able to uh, share that experience with them. That's very moving. You know, I grew up with um, a dad who, of course, had been... Actually, dad was in... He was in World War Two, and then he... I think he was drafted in World War Two, and then he enlisted in the Korean War and... And he rarely, well, my dad rarely spoke as much as you and I are talking now anyway. But his but his brothers, my uncles, um, there were at least five of them in the wars at the same time, which I, I heard stories about from my grandmama as I was growing up. But generally speaking, we don't, my personal experience, uh, we don't um, get people who've been in war wanting to talk about it. So when you can actually sit down and put on film, but I, I think what's what's moving about by war and by God is that while these are warriors who've been through the war, they're not talking so much about the war as they are talking about how going back and healing the Vietnamese people healed them. Uh, would, is that, would that be, does that right. work for you? share their experience yes. of the of the, the, the hellish experiences yes. that they had but the, it, it, you know the interview the inter- interviewing those guys w- was amazing mm-hmm. I mean to be able to sit down with each of them and to, you know you, you're getting them one on one and it's I mean the film crew's there but they're just you know just asking them these questions and they tell us and they yes. share with us stuff that they don't want it they don't normally share with other people because uh, yeah a lot of them are private you know a lot of people People process things differently. Some people hold on to things and they don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Other people realize that's my only way out of that nightmare yes. is to tell people about it, you know. So some of them are more comfortable sharing than others. But, you know, they just had some very profound stories, you know. They had some the, – the, the, the experience – uh, you know, with, with this film, I see this this film as you know. I, I always look for something redemptive in the awfulness. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And this film has that. You know, that story by War by God has it. The hell that they went through of the war mm-hmm. was awful, and yet without that, if it weren't for the war. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't go back and care for the people there. Exactly. You know, that's what's amazing is that it it takes the awful situation to turn to a good situation. Mm-hmm. And you know, in that film, you know, at the end, we come up with some of the stats. Yes. Sixty heart operations. These guys have provided sixty heart operations yes. for people that have needed it. They've done a hundred and I think a hundred and twenty eye operations. Yes. 
for people that can't see, letting people be able to see. You what? know, what an amazing gift. Well, like, like so for them, for the, I'm sorry, I didn't to interrupt you, but I just, yeah. since you're mentioning that, the, the, the story about the seven-year-old girl who had never, <clears throat> never seen her mother and her brothers and sisters. And uh, the guy who told this story, because it so often happens, she needed, at the very least, a pair of special glasses. And he's rummaging around in the place, um, and he finds a pair. He doesn't know how they got there. They're not exactly her prescription, but he puts them on, and this child sees her mother for the first time. I mean, you, you know, how do you get... How do you get better than a story like that? And and and, and go ahead. Let me you let know, you answer that, that. That's just part of the amazing work that these guys do. And and you know, I was fortunate. I've I've been able to go to Vietnam it, during the making of that film. I made two trips to Vietnam mm-hmm. and filmed, followed the group around and filmed uh, to capture material for that film. Yes. And um, I, it's it's hard to even put it into words. Yes. You know, watching this happen because anybody could say, "Oh, it's just a pair of glasses." Mm-hmm. It's just a pair. That's all it is. In our country, think about how many pairs of glasses we have access to. Exactly. I can walk across the parking lot to the the spectacle shop over here, and I can go pick out whatever kind of glasses. You know, it's just a pair of glasses. Yes, but it changed a life. But it changes a life in the context. And like he says, you know, it's it's a miracle. It's yes, a miracle yes. in its own way. And we we take those kind of day-to-day miracles so for granted mm-hmm. that when you can give someone sight who has never seen clearly before, mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's miraculous in its own way. You know, it's, it's beautiful. And, uh, and it's just, and here it is, it's an American soldier helping take care of a little Vietnamese girl. Yes, yes. And her family, you know? And, um, wow, it's powerful. Mm -hmm. It's powerful. And, you know, we tend to just get caught up in our day-to-day grind here in the United States, and we go to our offices every day, and we fight traffic, and we, you know, look down at our feet as we're standing in line at the Mm -hmm. grocery store, and we move through and getting things done. And yet, when these guys do what they're doing, they're literally just changing lives one at a time. You yes. Know? And yes. It's, so it's, it's pretty powerful. It's pretty. It's beautiful to see it happen. And like you uh, said that you changed during um, stain. Um, uh, stain glass Yes. These these guys change too. They. Uh, I don't want to give too much away, but a wife on the phone with one of these guys. He called her up and. And, of course, he said he loved her, and she said, you know, you, you've said to me the most beautiful words you've ever said or something to that effect. And he said, what do you mean, I love you? She said, no, you said my war is over. And that's, that's profound moments, you know. Those, yeah. are, those are profound things. When a guy, when a Vietnam veteran goes back to Vietnam after... 30 years after 35 years after four, however long it's been and he can say that my war is over yes and it speaks to you know he's carried that war inside of him for 35 years yes and to be able to lay that down and say it's over it's done 
and you know, I I think uh, uh, I think of course for everyone who goes to war in any war, uh, as is mentioned in this in your film, by war and by God, uh, you you come back different. You're not the same person who went to war. But I think in addition to that, the Vietnam War vet um, was treated so differently by the American public and by their government, for that matter, that um, it it was an extra burden to finally have to put down. And as I said, I was a vet during that time, but I was nothing like... <laughs> you know, I went to boot camp and uh, and was an excellent shot and all that, which is a whole other thing that is depicted in your uh, by war and by God. When, even in basic training, things happen that I will never forget, including some of the things like uh, uh, I don't think this happened to me when I was in high school because I was one of the rich kids who got a college deferment back in the days. You know, when you didn't, right. you had to avoid being drafted by getting an education and not everyone was that fortunate and I know that but my fortune didn't stop there when I did have to go because I graduated from college and so I enlisted as opposed to being drafted and I was fortunate enough to be taken into the soldiers chorus which is at Fort Meade Maryland still I believe uh, didn't know at the time it was over top of the CIA, but anyway, um, the uh, Soldiers' Chorus was a part of the Army Field Band, and I sang during the Vietnam War. But throughout throughout my time in the service, uh, and I remember especially at boot camp when it was over and I was supposed to be going to what the Army told me, which was the Soldiers' Chorus, there was a top sergeant there, who, who called me to his office, I'm not letting you go to any, sing your way through this war, you're going to Vietnam. And, um, and you know, and he did all of that, and I had been told by the sergeant major to just give me a call if anyone gives you a hard time. But they fought on the phone um, about my life, my future, and where I was going. In any case, I was one of the lucky ones. And one last thing, uh, Kent, and I'll, I'll promise I'll let you talk. The But this movie so moved me. I arrived a day late because they moved us around. Uh, so where they wanted to assign me in boot camp, I, I, a few of us came a day after all of the various supplies. Not a day after, it was like 4 o'clock in the morning. You know how the Army is. But um, we got there. And then we, uh, then they woke us up, you know, at six. And then, oh no, you're the guys who're not supposed to wake up. Okay, so then we're boom. Then the uh, guys came out even after us, and my drill sergeant came to me. The point of this story: we had all been given wooden hangers and said, "Carve your names into the wooden hangers." Um, I got eight. They didn't want to take me back to where the wooden hangers were, so he told everyone in my squad, "Give Rolando one of your hangers." And, of course, each of them had carved their name into wow. the wooden hanger. You see where I'm going with this. Right. For right. years I kept those wooden hangers because probably every one of those guys went to Vietnam. All those hangers. Except wow. me. So I just wanted to wow. say that because your movie, your film, By War and By God tells that story it tells the story of how an american machine gunner 
meets the Vietnamese shoulder, uh, soldier whose leg was shot off by an American machine gunner. It, you know, it, it just makes them all human. And my favorite line, I think, is that we found out Vietnam wasn't just a war. It was a country, a nation of people. Now, anyway, rest is on you. That's, uh, <laughs> it's powerful. You know, the, the, these guys, the, the, that soundbite that you just quoted, that's, that, that is a powerful line in the film. Yes. And, and, it, and it's so... Um, You know, when we when we talk about enemies, when we talk about going to war, which right now we're going, you know, here oh, we go. Oh yeah, here we are again. Next, right? Yeah. We're not going to have any boots on the ground. Oh wait a minute, yep. now we got boots on the ground. Yeah. Guess what? We're putting more boots on the ground, and it, it's like so when we when we think of people as enemies, it's it's it's. Enemies are only monsters, you know. Yes. When whenever you have an enemy, it's a monster, and. When, and these guys realize, you know, when they were there and they were fighting, they're fighting the monster. That's what they're fighting. Mm -hmm. And at the time, the monster, you know, it was communism they were fighting in Vietnam. Yes. And uh, then they realize, wait a minute, it's not a monster. It's a, it is a person. And it is, these people do have lives and they have families and they have kids and dreams and they have aspirations and they have desires. And, 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 and again, when you, when you, when you, when you twist it that way, when you when you take it out of the context of of the war, and you realize these are just people, that's when relationship can happen. That's when you can care for people that are different than you, that think differently than you do, that believe differently than you do, mm. and you can serve, and you can care for, and you can show love, and you can respect, and you can be in relationship with those people. Yes. And and that's a huge part of this with by war and by God. It's it's a it's a realizing that there's a face. It's not a monster. It's a person. It's mm -hmm. a face. Mm -hmm. It's someone. And you and, and, and you know when we get in touch with our humanity that way, and we can truly treat each other as humans yes. and respect one another as humans, that's where the world becomes a more beautiful place. You yes. know. When we, when we, when we, when it has to be a monster, and when we tell our kids it has to be a monster, that's the only reason we're fighting it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's hard to to realize that it's a human on the other end, and that it's a person, and that it's it's you know it's just people like us that are trying to do the best that they can yes. in whatever situation they have. It's like you said earlier uh, in the last segment. We're all here trying to do the best we can with what we've got, and. You know, it's uh, sharing the planet and trying not to destroy it and ourselves, I guess. Listen, right. we're, we're going to have to go, Kent. It's been All an right. incredible conversation. Remind us again of your website, the company name, what you offer, where you are, etc. It's uh, Paladin Media Group. Company's Paladin Pictures, actually, Paladin Pictures Incorporated. Mm -hmm. uh, but we go by Paladin Media Group uh, with most of our things here. Uh, PaladinMediaGroup.com, P A L A D I N, MediaGroup.com is the web address. And uh, you can find our films. Um, through the store there on the on the on the website, um, or and you, if you also if you go to BigHeavenCafe.com, BigHeavenCafe.com is the uh, the name of the the direct store. That's the that is the store itself uh -huh. where you can find the films. 
Okay. And we'll be looking for uh, stained glass rainbows streaming around December 15th, did you say? That is correct. Okay. That is correct. And, and uh, by Warren by God, we'll follow shortly thereafter. We don't have a release date for that as of yet, but uh, that'll be that'll be happening soon. And if people follow the website, they'll, they'll find it. All right, then. Kent Williamson, it has been a pleasure, a, uh, a joy, an overwhelming... Uh, Eye-opening uh, uh, re-experience uh, of humanity. How's that? It is, it is... <laughs> well, Marcello, it's been a great pleasure. I thank you so much for having me on, and it's always good to spend some time with you. Thank you. Same here. Bye now. You, all the best to you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Stay with us as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice. And now... Another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Andy Film Minute. When you choose to include the phrase, I am Shiva, the destroyer, your harbinger of doom for this evening, in your speech at your sister's rehearsal dinner, the room is likely to sit up and take notice. But by the time Jonathan Demme's Rachel Getting Married gets to this point, you will already be fully entranced by the script's human landscape. This is a rich film full of terrific talent, all chewing on deep and rewarding material. Rosemary DeWitt, Bill Irwin, and Deborah Winger all join the party, but the real center of the film is Anne Hathaway, at the time already a proven star, here fully invested in raw performance. Hathaway plays Kim on a weekend pass from her current attempt at institutional sobriety to attend the wedding of her sister. We soon feel that return to family may not be the best path towards successful recovery. Then again, maybe a taste of the poison is the only way to move the process forward. This is a hearty meal of a film, surprisingly hopeful in its view of humanity and riveting in its views of the intricacies involved in human interaction. Fascinating. Rachel getting married. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Find us on the web at IndieFilmMinute.com. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Impeachment, Pence, Purdue, Drunk Drivers, and Father Time. Like 9-11, what we thought could never happen in America is happening again. But in 2019, it is administered by a pretend president and his acting government, conniving with the foreign power determined to destroy our ability to weather Franklin's admonishment. A republic, if you can keep it. Streaming Michael Cohen's reboot, channeling John Dean's There's a Cancer on the Presidency, impeaching for our children, we bequeath them Mike Pence. Few American presidents have worn sobriety as the only proof of their character, while daily crashing through clearly marked humanitarian stop signs, putting pedal to the metal to T-bone both America's history and its potential. Confident we won't defeat ourselves by surrendering to the foolishness of self-inflicted vengeful violence, nor to the denial of the fearfully fatigued, because peaceful assembly and voter registration are not weak sisters, but rather, like United We Stand, the bridge that has restored America after revolution, civil war, two world wars, 60s assassinations, and September 2001. 
Seeing through corporatism's haze, the wise set aside all Trump-induced chaos rattling around in the echo chamber of a fourth estate that has lost its way. For media smirks are laughing America to death. Gun owners know Wayne Lapierre's malleable, maniacal marionette-in-chief of misinformation is, like Cheney, Pence, and Putin's Moscow Mitch, another bad man with a gun, an adversary to truth, apathetic to the human condition, profiteering off the sacred office he has careened off course. So, answering 2020's call, the rational rise to eject Trump Senate enablers, not with tiki torches, but with reasserted government of by and for the people. Having learned from Odessa grandmother Sandra Saxton, who faced the hateful rage of a mass murderer, but unlike her president and our Congress, took immediate action, saving her family from NRA-sponsored mass hysteria, we now unite to unscrupulous marketing of e-cigarettes and opiate producers, speeders whizzing by school buses with flashing red lights, drunk drivers and people who supply civilians with military-styled AR weapons, we now say enough. Witnessing the difference between investigative reporting and the laziness of talking heads repeating a liar is a liar, we are, like time, moving on. Recognizing the characteristic opposites of the spineless, intimidating NOAA cowardice, we emulate the heroism and integrity of the National Weather Service. Voters get it. While a president may not be dumb enough to share classified information with foreign enemies, a pretend president could be treasonous enough to do so. Flint knows it. If Bush Cheney hadn't launched 1% of our population into perpetual war, taxpayer money might be replacing brain-destroying lead-laden water pipes, causing Legionnaire's disease and increasing pneumonia deaths. Patriots know it and reject abusing commander-in-chief title to divide and conquer Pentagon leadership and congressional oversight to profit from Air Force sleepovers at failing resorts, even if, miraculously, religious hypocrite Pence isn't culpable. Visionaries know it and refuse to join a pretend president's race with climate change at the expense of homeland security. Now, we the people embrace national choices and individual responsibilities for a presidential riddle wrapped in an acting government mystery inside the enigma of his resort-tweeted military-industrial complex, refusing to permit the undoing of his oath of office by foreign policy for financial gain. Now, rejecting public and private leaders who profit from the opposition of a child's future, whether female, people of color, LGBTQ, or refugees, we ascend. Teachers know it. Scientists are not America's enemy, but the stewards of earth and all life upon it. Armed once again with the conviction of we hold these truths to be self-evident, we legally entrap impeachable producers entangled and vaporizing our future, now blowing smokescreen billions to escape their tobacco predecessors' fate. Family fun at movies, parks, concerts, schools, or even walking dogs have become bloodied not just because of bad men with guns and drunk drivers, but men in corporate and government suits, too lost, gathering their thirty pieces of silver, to notice their time has passed on. Yes, we have stepped in quicksand of hate, racism, sexual discrimination, and perpetual war that challenges our best while exposing 
our worst. Allowing extreme individual focus, we fail to see family and national unity's time limits, because many things we believe true never were. Filmmaker friend Kent and I rarely got to work together, so we made time for lunch every three or four months for personal catch-up and, of course, movie-making brainstorming. He with a beer, me iced coffee. At our last lunch, he asked to send me a play he'd written for my director's opinion. Then, back to work, looking forward to September's lunch. America's first murderer was hanged in 1630. Its first drunk driver, arrested in 1897. Although conservative Republican Texan evangelical Christian Kent C. Williamson and liberal Democrat Roman Catholic New Yorker me were solid friends, just like our country, the United States of America, our next lunch was never promised. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Peace be with you, Kent, and with your spirit. Amen. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.